0: Right, so I'm still going to do a question of the week. So, all of you guys could probably think back to a time where you didn't know what the weather was going to be like today, you didn't have a traffic report, uh, guide, you know, or an app that guides you to wherever. But I do want you to think about those two things, although there could be a different app. So, how about this? So, um in your kind of like row or grouping or something, I want you to discuss with a partner or somebody else uh, around you, Um, maybe even go outside of your spouse, so kind of like, you know, incorporate some others in there. Um, What do you think you could go out, go in life more without? Knowing the weather or knowing the traffic report. (laughs) Talk about it. Don't worry, I'm tying it in. So, if you're like, I don't know where he's going with that. So. (laughs) And why? And why? Defend yourself. What's that? Yeah. What'd you say? I know you. Well, we all live that time. So, today, though, we've kind of grown accustomed. So, what if you're like, like... I'm saying where, for you specifically, what, what would you give up? I need weather because I have a distraction. I have to know the weather. Traffic doesn't matter. 30 below
1: zero. You
0: give them both up? Okay. I'm a sail, so I don't care. When the weather's <laughs> as <laughs> bad as my car, my client should go the other way. I'm just driving, so... So I would think traffic would be more you could uh, or more you would want, right? But <laughs> so, yeah, you don't need a you don't need a traffic report to tell you that. Okay. We never know What about GPS? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh, we found something. We found something. So you get rid of weather, you keep GPS. So. This is not social time. It's a question related to our study. So, Okay. All right, what's the consensus? What's the consensus here? One of each, okay. Live without weather. Troy needs the weather. Becky needs what? You need weather. No traffic, you need weather? You don't need anything. All right. So, right... So it depends on what you do. See, this is, this is, you know, it's hard to get control back. All right, so either, uh, <laughs> so either some said weather, they could live without. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I probably should have said also, you know, because uh, we are talking about traffic, and I was like, ah, traffic's always bad. And I was like, what about GPS? So, you know, like, so uh, maybe I should have said that, like navigation tools. You guys remember the first time you got you got GPS, right? You were like, "I'm following the GPS, and I'm not even following, you know, the times that I've driven this same road a hundred times." You're like, "GPS says turn left," and you're like, "I don't know why." So. The original GPS would take you on dirt roads and stuff. I had them early on, and some if those roads were flooded, I mean, you come up and there's a dirt road, it's a lake. It's yeah. Like, I followed my GPS. I'm driving through a lake now. Yeah. When we lived in Arkansas, they actually like the uh, highway flooded, and so it was like before the traffic integrated in. So it was like you would go and it was a river in front of a neighborhood. It was like turn around, turn. <laughs> 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 I forget what, you know, what they say. Yeah, that was it. That was it for calibrate. So, um, all right, well, <laughs> what does this have to do with what we're doing? So, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So, uh, last week, you know, we we're kind of talking about our confidence in Christ, right? And the author of Hebrews uh, kind of shared, you know, what I would say, a classic apologetic or a defense of the Christian faith. And that wasn't kind of the intent or the approach, but... Um, we talked about that idea of an apologetic being able to strengthen one's faith, um, or how usually it is is talking to someone who doesn't have faith and explaining why the faith is reasonable. So as a as a method, as kind of a way to help share and present the gospel. And so the author in the first few verses of Hebrews eleven asserted that the world was made by God, that our our creator currently exists. Um, It's kind of maybe apart from deism, which says that God made the world, but is no longer a part of it. And that um, as a part of creation, we also saw that there is is either blessing or reward for obedience, or there is judgment for disobedience. And so we've kind of talked about those ideas. Um, When we look at that word faith, uh, it's a Greek word called pistis. um, And it's the noun form of the verb pisteo, which is often translated to believe. So they're really kind of the, you know, same, um, the same word being used, either a noun or verb form. And so right, faith is what we believe. And so what we believe matters because what we believe dictates often how we act and what we do. Right? So if we believe the weather report, what does that mean? You're foolish. You're foolish. <laughs> I know, fool me once, or twice, or come on, man, when are you going to get it right? So, um, but, right, if if we read the weather report and it says it's going to be 45 degrees and rainy, then how does that affect our behaviors? Don't go on a picnic. Don't go on a picnic, yeah. So there's a lot of things that, you know, are, are you know, we, like, believe, right? If we believe the traffic report or believe our GPS, like, you know, then we end up in a river, perhaps, like Alan (laughs) had said. And so we're putting our trust or our faith in that. And you just kind of think about that idea, right? You know, every single human on the planet is limited in foreknowledge, right? We only know the present. Everything else is predicated on our experiences, on the past. And so whether it's, you know, something religious or something superstitious or something else, right, you know we tend to put our faith in these beliefs because we don't really know and so we act only in real time and then we pattern our lives based on again things that we've experienced or things that have happened in the past so when it comes to like bigger things right you know more weightier Things and traffic and weather, there are weightier things, right, in this life. When we think about, like, the big one, right, is like, so maybe what happens after you die, you know? Like, there's kind of that aspect of, like, well, then when time is cut off and our time on Earth is is cut short, even though that is a future date for all of us, um, how future depends, right? Then there's questions of, like, no one knows, right? Even with advanced medical technologies where, you know, you can... Uh, do transplants, and you can put cameras in people and do robotic surgeries, right? No one has been able to go to the afterlife and come back, right, and report on what happens. Death is still one area, right, that no one knows. When I say no one, again, collectively is like humans. And so another one, right, that's death, is, is our purpose, right? Why, why, what's the point of all the things that we do? And so some of those questions we're going to tackle today, or at least like look at at them, Um, but when it comes to those questions, you have to look at somebody outside of creation, right? And that's where God makes sense within answering the questions about after our time here, what is next? And then even like, why have we been created? Only a creator knows. And so that's, again, the worldview, the idea that we're, looking at and we're, we're uh, even acting in as we look at Hebrews 11. And so as we we're reminded of people who are acting on belief, we even see that people act in unbelievable ways <clears throat> because it was a part of their purpose or really God's purpose for them. And so going back to this idea of faith, faith is belief and belief fuels our purpose. So that's kind of big, broad picture as we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. So last week, last week we looked at creation, we looked at Cain and Abel, we looked at Enoch, we looked at Noah, right? All lived or, or died, um, or in Enoch's case, he didn't die, but to show us something about the human condition, about the character of God. Like why do we know these Um, accounts of these people, like why did these things happen in the way that they happen? Why are they important for us to know? Why did unbelievable acts happen? You know, even when we think about Noah or you think about Enoch, like what does God want us to know? God wants wants us to know something about us and something about him. And so we understand that more with how he works within human history, especially in the unbelievable ways, the incredible ways. So we're going to move on to someone new. Uh, not new for us, we covered him in number five of our 50 chapters every Christian should know series. And so we're going to start in verse eight and talk about Abraham. So verse eight says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he went to live in the land of promise As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So what do we see that Abraham did to exhibit faith? Hebrews 11, verses 9 through, Where do we stop? 8 through 12. Okay. So what do we see? He obeyed. In what way? He left, her. he left Ur. Would you say he went? <laughs> he obeyed and went. Yeah, he left Ur. And so where was he going? What was the promise? Like, at least at that point. Yeah. So it was, I have a land for you. You know, you're going to have great descendants and and this kind of great blessing. And so do you guys remember how... Abraham was at the time? He was 75. You ever say that? Can we just say that? Ah, so that's, yeah. I know, I know. So um, so at age 75, right, it was like, hey, you've lived here for 75 years. want you to pick up and go to a place that uh, is at least 1,500 miles. Uh, some would say 3,000 miles because he went to Egypt and kind of backtracked a little bit. Um, so uh, between 1,500 and 3,000 miles, right, to this place that God had promised. And we went into more detail when we looked at Abraham's life uh, a little bit back then. But, you know, he's, he's going to live in a land of promise. This land of promise. Right. Is it just a vacant land? You know, it wasn't like, I guess, where we think of, you know, the the western frontier, which wasn't necessarily vacant either. But where it's like, hey, you know, there's land just to have. It was occupied by others. And so uh, so he says that um, he went to go there living in tents. We'll get to that a little bit in a second. Um, Verse 10 for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What do you guys think is meant by verse ten? It's kind of a a poetic uh, way to say something. So, I think foundations. I think permanent. Okay, what's that? So here, permanent with foundations. The New Jerusalem. Okay, and would he have had a concept of what that was at that time? No. Okay. But he got this, you know, he says in, in the earlier verse, right, that they were living in tents. So living in tents implies what? Yeah. And so this idea of, of going to a place that has foundations, this city that is populated and built with having everything kind of self-contained within it, um, designed and built by God, some sort of future promise, right? His, his In his mind... Going to the land of promise wasn't going camping for the rest of his life, right? Going to the land of promise, in his mind, would have been something more permanent, something more settled, and something that was given by God himself. We understand, right, through later pieces of scripture, right, what that city of promise would look like. Eventually, um, what it would become, we'll look at that a little bit later when we get to Revelation. Um, But... That is, again, something that, you know, uh, this idea of having a place to call your own and even having a place of rest, right? When David came to Jerusalem, what was the first thing that he wanted to build? Okay. So he wanted to build a house. A house for whom? What's that? Yeah. And so what, was, what were they doing up to that point? Their place of worship was what? Yeah, the tabernacle, which was, again, set up and tore down. And so we got this idea of something permanent, that God wanted to build him a house. And we looked at all uh, all of those things in the past as well. So um, we'll we'll get, again, what this, this looks like a little bit more in just a second. What about Sarah? What did Sarah do to exhibit faith? ability to conceive. She received the ability to conceive. At an age it was to be I can imagine it was scary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what you, like, oh, no. Yeah. Not that this ever to us, but So, <laughs> and you guys are are young, so not even not even their age. Um Yeah, so you've got to have like all of all of you know that that she received right this this uh, blessing at her age that she submitted to the idea, um, and that the Lord would do what He said He was going to do, and then uh, what did Isaac ultimately become? Kind of verse twelve. Okay, the son of promise. Uh, Well. I guess it depends what you mean. You want to explain that a little further? Okay. So you'd have, so eventually, yeah, all the descendants which would grow into the, the nation of Israel, right. So it, where the descendants would be as numerous as the, the sand by the seashore. Again, um, all of these things, right, the author is just kind of sharing, right, what they did and how they received their faith. Continuing on, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having a knowledge that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that, Land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. So, first, what did Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob all have in common? True. Yes, they have, they had have faith. Um, how did their faith differ than perhaps like Noah's faith? It's right there at the beginning of verse thirteen. They never saw the full consummation of their faith. Yeah, yeah. So all of the the promises, right? You know, so you could you can make the argument like, well, Abraham made it into the land, but that but. He didn't possess the land, right? And there were all these people there. And again, the concept that he had as far as the, the land wasn't just like to live in the land, to, again, camp in the land. It was to have a land all to himself. And the, the, the author of Hebrews even goes further than that and says, really, what this idea is is beyond just even like the land there, but this idea of having a restoration of being with God. It's almost like kind of leading back to the idea of the garden, right, and thinking, thinking of a homeland, right? If it was like, you know, if, if it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you just start, if you were like, I'm going to swim to that island, and at some point you realize, I don't think I can make it, what's your inclination to do? It's to turn back, right? And so for them, there was no turning back because turning back would have been being right where they had started, and their faith was in something that was beyond that. And that's kind of like the way that the, the author is saying that. And so while like most of the others saw, right, we saw Cain and Abel saw the results of their sacrifice, Enoch you know, was just taken up, and we kind of talked about what that looked like, Noah saw like, the, the flood and all of those things, where they, they did not see any of the promises that were made to them. And it kept getting passed down generation through generation. And so how are their examples helpful for us? Blessed by her faith, when then she kind of came up with this plan, and Abram went along with it. So I'm just amazed that even seeing their lack of faith, that God is so gracious to still commend their faith, and that's so encouraging. Yeah, we're we're gonna you know see this you know even even further with uh you know with the next examples that we're gonna see as far as like the way that we think it should play out is not the way that God. Has it play out for us. Um, what else for us? As far as specifically like their example of faith and not seeing the promises. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's, that's part of our faith, you know. That's part of, like, you know, what it means to, to follow Christ is the fact that he says, you know, when he told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, we have a, a belief that, you know, whatever our concept is, like, we'll, we'll probably get it wrong in our minds of, like, oh, this is how it is. Like, I thought something different. But we still, the fact that there is something, you know, beyond this life, like, again, that's a belief we hold on to. And how we act today is based on that faith. And so we look at their examples of, like, not even seeing the promises. Yes, they saw some of the promises. And that's kind of the you know, way that, they, that um, God works, right, is that he shows us some blessings, but not the full blessings. So we're never left with, like, looking back and saying, like, we got nothing, right? There's always something. It's just not the full picture, the full fulfillment, Right. Abraham had Isaac, so they had they were blessed with a child at you know their age. And so that it was a miracle that they saw, but that was only like a part of the bigger picture, and they wouldn't see that bigger picture um, this side of eternity. And so again, the accounts in the old testament are, are given to us as examples. So that we can follow their faithfulness in God's promises and and then see them fulfilled. And so when we see them fulfilled, it reminds us of the way that God fulfills promises to us. And then trusting in God in what will happen next, right? Because again, everything we do, how we live, is based on something in the future that we don't know. We assume that, you know, at 11 o'clock there'll be another church service. But why is that? because it's in the bulletin, right? So we trust the bulletin, or we've been there at 11 o'clock before, and it started at 11 o'clock. And, you know, so some of these things, but we don't know, but, you know, we have a good idea, but when it comes to bigger bigger matters, nobody knows um, except God. So verse 17, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, and by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So what uh, promise or promises did Isaac's birth fulfill? Okay. So there was an immediate promise, right, that we just said, that Sarah was promised a son. And so that's one of the promises. And then, yeah, that he would be a part of this future line that would increase into this nation and perhaps even through that nation, right, through the name of Abraham, uh, provide a worldwide blessing. So you've got all that (laughs) packaged up in Isaac's birth, right? And so then what was Abraham to do? Yeah, to sacrifice his son. And in his mind, right, when you sacrifice anything, you know, including your child, right, then they cease to exist. That, like, all of those promises would die within that. So within, you know, the author of Hebrews says, like, within that sacrifice, there was even a belief. I mean, how, like, (laughs) you just think, like, how hard would that be? You know, it's almost like like was he resolute in his faith or was he like lord i you know i just i know you can bring him back and i hope that's what you're going to do i just can't imagine like everything that was going on with with sacrificing him but believe that right god had the right to give him a son that like he could even raise him from the dead cuz essentially you know abraham and sarah felt like in child you know child birthing terms like they were as good as dead that's kind of even like the way that scripture refers to to Sarah Um, and so that offering him up later that he could be brought back what blessing did Isaac provide to Jacob and Esau And so it was kind of it was a repeat of the blessing to Abraham in Genesis 26 four, Um Isaac says, you know, that that the Lord said to him, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. That's what Isaac said to Jacob. But who did he actually think it was for? Esau, which is kind of why it says to both Esau and Jacob, because he thought it was to Esau, but it was really to Jacob. And we'll see a pattern in in just a second. Um, What about Jacob? What what blessing did Jacob provide? Well, in Genesis 28, verses 3 through 4, Jacob says, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as alien, the land uh, God gave to Abraham. And so you've got like a few different things. So first, and Kay already kind of mentioned this, what uh, Isaac, was Isaac their firstborn? Okay, and so in terms of inheritance, who was the one that was given the inheritance, or at least the larger share of the inheritance? And who would have gotten the blessing through, you know, of the patriarchs? It would have been who? The firstborn. And so Isaac was not the firstborn. Isaac was the firstborn through Sarah. And so you could kind of say that. But to Abraham, who the blessing was, right, Isaac was his secondborn. And so God kind of, like, went against tradition in that way because this is what God had intended when you look at Jacob and Esau why did Isaac give the blessing to Esau well he gave it he gave it to Esau in his mind because Esau was the firstborn but it didn't go to the firstborn it went to the secondborn just slightly secondborn but still secondborn um, by deceit. And so, again, we look at that as like, well, you know, that's just, in human terms, it just goes against, like, you know, the way, even the way that, it, like, does it count? Like, he cheated, you know. But, like, that was, like, God's intent was to almost do things in a way that is out of the norm. Like, I will establish my line through who I establish it with. It will be through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. And then even uh, the blessing... Right. For um, Joseph's sons, uh, you know, Jacob gives it to both of Joseph's sons who, um, again, weren't one of the tribes. It was one of the sons of the tribes that each of them were given an inheritance. So it was almost like you two who are uh, in the next line are given an equal share with basically your 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 uncles. Um, and so going out again of the norm, right? And, jo- and Joseph even kind of responded that way to Jacob. Like this isn't, this does not right, but this is kind of how God had, um, again, passed this patriarchal blessing. You know, there wasn't any sort of like special incantation. It was just, this is kind of like how God led these men. And this is how, again, um, the Lord would fulfill his promises early on to Abraham. And he could have done it in a whole, a whole host of ways. It could have gone through Esau. It could have gone through uh, Joseph himself. But again, this is kind of like the story of, of how God is, is setting up what he's doing for the future. Because it is God who leads uh, his people, not the people who um, are telling God, no, this is how it's supposed to be. And so then finally, um, you know, we have this kind of direction about Joseph. Uh, you know, not only did, did Jacob remind Joseph's sons of the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but um, Joseph, is, the author of Hebrews, mentions something about directions concerning his bones. Um, so why would that be important? yeah so in joseph's life right where were uh where was Jacob and his brothers where were where were they before coming to egypt yeah they were in the, they were in the land of Canaan until this famine came, and so they came down to Egypt right and they're in Egypt right Joseph is in this prominent place um he can take care of them uh they really you know kind of look at it um is like Egypt or the land of Goshen was kind of more like a, an incubator to allow them to like have security under the protection of Egypt, the most powerful nation of that time, um, to allow them to multiply and flourish. And after several hundred years, it could have just been easy. Well, this is still in Joseph's lifetime, but as they're starting to like settle down and be protected, you know, Joseph knows like this is only temporary, right? Like I moved, (laughs) I moved to Egypt And I may have settled down here, and this is my place, and this is my role. But I know, and I'm going to even die here. Like, he knows that. Like, he's staying here, but you guys are leaving. Like, because I believe the promise that God made to, you know, my father, my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather. And so just even kind of that mention, like, so when you guys leave, because you are leaving, take my bones with you. Um, And why would that be? Yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's it too, right? He wants to, to be be there as well. Um, yeah, Jacob. It's uh, there was an interesting um, you know commentary that made I think it was Abraham. The only piece of land that he owned was the burial plot for Sarah. It was the only thing that he had purchased, right? So the only part of the promised land that he could actually claim that he owned was was that piece. Um, all of these right examples of hundreds of years, again, miraculous things that had happened. Um, And, you know, uh, Jacob wrestling with God, right, Joseph and his dreams and all of those things that were fulfilled and and the famine and, and all of that, right, still happen as, again, even markers to say, hey, If I'm faithful in these ways, then you better believe that I'll be faithful in these bigger ways. That is just not happening yet. But they still trusted that God would do that, just not in their lifetime. And again, Joseph knew that. It's probably not going to happen even in my lifetime. So um, you guys just make sure that you're ready to go and bring me with you. Bring me with you. So each of them saw that these things, right? But they were still just a family at the time of Joseph, right? They were growing. but they were still wanderers. They weren't in the place that God had promised for them. But they never thought, or at least they never like, declared, that God had broken his promise. And so, still being faithful, we move on to verse 23. We see, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The language here that the author of Hebrews is using is pretty direct to the audience, that, you know, those that are receiving it. Because he, he changes some terminology, like to, you know, instead of Pharaoh, he might say king um the reproaches of Christ like right Moses wouldn't have known Christ at that point at least not not in the way that the recipients would have known that so he says these things right to kind of even like show the connection that why he's talking about it. I'm not just giving you a history lesson I'm telling this to you for you to know so what did Moses' parents do or what did they not do what was the what was there by faith okay so yeah, they hid him. So what did that mean for them? Disobeying Pharaoh. Okay, disobeying Pharaoh. Was that a big deal? Probably. Pro- probably. Okay. Well they didn't know what was going to happen to him either. I mean, when you put a kid in a basket and throw him into the Nile River, you to their own faith. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the of faith. That is true. That is true. They did have a, uh, you know, sister kind of like following the bank a little bit, but uh you know, so it kind of it worked out, right? But just just to disobey Pharaoh, like who was Pharaoh? What? Yeah, he was the 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 most powerful nation, the head of the most powerful nation, and to say no to this person, right, at this time when they were um when they were slaves, right, would have would have primarily been a death sentence. But they were willing to do that, right, because they saw there was something right that the child was beautiful or this idea of being favored Um, something about Moses compelled them to do that beyond just being their child and so I think that's a huge motivator right even for those means to not sacrifice their child but it meant something even greater that they would incur the wrath of Pharaoh and so you know Moses' life was spared at that time, despite the king's edict. And then so verse 24, what do we find that Moses gave up when he was an adult? Okay. What else did he give up? What would have gone, what would have gone with that? Okay. Yeah. And so you've got all of those things, right, that Moses would have been accustomed to. And maybe, you know, hey, maybe, you know, he he was looking for purpose or meaning. Right. And so he, he didn't know anything other than like to be wealthy. And so there's like lots of stories of, you know, princes giving up their titles to go live as a common person, but right. You know, for this, in this, in this real, you know, story, not only gave up his wealth and status, but also took on what? What's that? Slavery, yeah, and so it was it'd be one thing, right, to just live as a a common person, but it goes beyond that to live as a you know live and take on the name of those that were enslaved, and so um yeah. Yeah, and not even somebody who was esteemed, right? That you know, that's how Christ was described as. Uh, and so to be to be born to you know parents who couldn't even afford um, to uh, to make a a, a typical sacrifice um, for a firstborn child, and so it was said that you know again he was looking to the reward. Which reminds us, again, and that's kind of the author of Hebrews is reminding those, that, um, that there was, in, in the end of verse 26, that, that obedience leads to a reward. Now, he didn't know what that reward meant. And we also know that like, while the author of Hebrews speaks about Moses in a way that's like, man, he was living by faith, we also know, what about Moses. Yeah. I mean, so when God came to him and said, I want you to go back to Pharaoh, right? Because what happened? Like he, you know, uh, he murders an Egyptian. And then when it, when it, you know, word of it spread, what did Moses do? Did he stand there like, what are you going to do, Pharaoh? You know, yeah, he ran, right? He ran a Midian, and so then he was a shepherd, right? And so God calls him back, and then even, you know, with the confirmation of the burning bush, and says, like, you know, gives him his name, and then says, I want, I'm going to send you to, back to your people. Um, what does Moses do? Send with me. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I do yeah, he's like, you know, hey, I I can't do this. And so we look at Moses as like, you know, this example, strong example of faith, but he definitely had his areas now. The author of Hebrews is kind of mentioning all of the things that right he gave up, in a way, right to kind of remind the people like of all the things that you know, we might face. And so he makes this again this connection to the reproaches of Christ. Like, why do you why do you think that's important? He considered the reproach of Christ greater than well uh, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, and we have we have several examples even in the New Testament where the authors, I mean, it's several of the authors use that terminology, right? When you are facing persecution, rejoice in suffering with Christ. I mean, Christ Himself even said that rejoice when you suffer because they, you know, when you were persecuted because they persecuted, you know, me as well, and so. This idea again that that talking about Moses in the way this way is the author of of Hebrews is again leveraging that idea for those that are reading it as Moses is considering what he gave up, and again, did he give it much thought? He more ran, and so, but that was uh, more worthy than um, everything that he could keep in Egypt, and so, verse twenty seven, he says that. Uh, he was, um, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an interesting you know, way to see this. But um, So the anger of the king is Pharaoh. But again, using kind of a term that maybe the, the recipients would, would hear as far as like who's in authority or a rule over you. He didn't, he didn't use the term Caesar. Um, but he endured in seeing him who is invisible. What, what happened eventually with Moses? He make it. What's that? He doesn't make it. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't make it. But it. yeah, so how did, how did he see him who is invisible? Okay. It could be the burning bush. I didn't really think like that was necessarily maybe what the author is saying. And so this is probably one that I'm, I'm inferencing a little bit. It could be, could be the burning bush, but I think that is a physical manifestation. But what, is, what was one later on that Moses would get to see and be forever changed? What's, yeah. Yeah. Right, like his like his yeah away from so, amazing yeah and so we again we see like the reward that even Moses got within this lifetime of this confirmation uh, of who God is, and even though he was weak, like he still you know by faith trusted the Lord when he went every time to go to uh to go to you know Pharaoh when he came back. And then by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. So why was that an act of faith? I mean, all these things were happening, right? It's like the 10th plague. So it's almost like, you know, uh, after nine, I think everyone's convinced. Um, I mean, even that was the whole point, right? Pharaoh kept hard, you know, God kept hardening. Either Pharaoh hardened his own heart or God hardened Pharaoh's heart, depending on which plague it was. But all of those were were pretty much everybody knew God was doing something (laughs) catastrophic. So the last one, what was different about that? What was the period, do you think, of the plagues? Was it over months? Years? I think it's over weeks. Okay. So Yeah, in short succession. What's that? So Pharaoh wouldn't forget. Yeah. You know, I honestly have never actually uh, Consider that question, but I don't think there's anything that would lead us to to know, like as far as any passing of time. But it's possible that it is over, you know, months. I asked that is because that seems to be the case with Moses, because he gets reinforced periodically, and you wonder how often he, like us, we get reinforced. Yeah. You know that I didn't, I didn't. That happened for a reason, and I'm reinforced in my faith. Yeah. So he. Because he does that in his life, it's leadership. It's an interesting leadership sign wave, if you will, that he gets reinforced periodically to give him the strength that he needs to lose. Exactly, exactly. So, going back to the the Passover, what was different about the Passover? Yeah. So I would imagine just believing God at His word to say, This is it, now you're gonna go plunder your neighbors and gather your little ones and know that the death angel's coming. And that would be a sobering. Well the Jews had to do something to protect themselves from this one. They didn't have to do anything to protect themselves from the plagues. Yeah, so you've got you've got kind of this responding. Everything else like came upon them, they had to respond. Um, by put, placing you know, and trusting, right? Everything just happened, <laughs> and they they were either protected or endured it. Um, in this one, it was, you have to put the blood, and you have to have faith, and you have to trust that the destroyer will pass over your house. Otherwise, they would have felt, fallen to the same, um, uh, you know, the same death that all the Egyptians did. And so, Again, you know, mentioned there that they had to respond. Um, so they did, and they were saved. And then even beyond that, yeah, like taking uh, the plunder of the Egyptians and then going out. We'll, we'll look at that uh, next week. So again, the story of Moses, right, the friend of God was, was one of faith. Um, he wasn't a son that was given a blessing. And so up to this point, right, you see it through this family lineage, and then you have Moses, And so Moses, um, you know, was now one of the Israelites, uh, one of those that was in, you know, not in the direct line of descendants, specifically meaning like his name wasn't carried on, like the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It ends there. It's not like then the son of Moses. And so because it was through the nation of Israel, through Jacob's sons, that was where Jacob was promised those things. And so Moses was raised up, as one in the nation to bring them out. And so, um, so this is again, kind of that next phase, right? They became a, uh, the size of a nation. They needed a leader, and Moses, right, would be that leader to free and enslave people from the greatest nation on the earth, the most powerful nation. And so, you know, we won't likely face what Moses did, but we can follow his example. Um, examples, right, that you kind of see how the author um, kind of leverages that thing, right? We, we don't have to fear government, right, and what government will do. I mean, government is one of the most powerful agencies within our life, right, who has uh, the ability to, you know, uh, arrest and to throw you in jail and to keep you there, right? But that's one thing that even standing up to the king, however well he did it, um, you know, that's one thing that, the author of Hebrews kind of put, you know, puts that in front. So when a government defies God, right, we can trust or have faith that the Lord will allow us to endure that. We can refuse the allure of, right, the of wealth and comfort. Um, uses that in, you know, talks about that in Moses' life. Uh, we can trust a God that we can't see in the face of the oppression that we can see. Um, again, all of these things that. This author is pulling from Moses' life to kind of help these Hebrews, right, again, as they're making these concessions, you know, living in a, uh, a time where persecution is happening, specifically amongst those that um, are of the same faith or, you know, tradition that they are. And so they're shying away from being bold in Christ and adopting some customs that are trying to, again, make those compromises. And last, we can trust in the saving power of Christ to bring us to a city with foundations built by God. That's ultimately, right, what we put our trust in. That, in all of that, in the end, like that is our comfort. That is our security. Because again, we are tempted. We are lured. We're either through, um, uh, either through um, desire to lead us away from Christ, or from fear to try to keep us away from Christ. You know, Moses' life kind of tackles all of those things, right? Because what we believe matters, and how we act is based on what we believe. So the confidence that we have in our actions is based on the assurance of our faith, and that assurance of our faith comes through what God has done not only in our lives, but in the lives of saints before us. And so that should give us hope and strength as we go into an unknown future. Assuming that there's an 11 o'clock service, right, um, or whatever else that we will we will face. All right, we'll pause.